Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of A Dad and His PC. Uh, taking a short break in between falling in love with Fallout 4 again to record the show. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for joining and, and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you found the show. Uh, find our social stuff and our social content, and that is in the description as always, and try to follow and comment if you want. Now, last week, we had some fun news topics and updates uh, from things I covered in previous shows. So the retail price drops on the 30 series cards are here and here to stay. Uh, last show, we talked about how Overwatch 2 has been a roller coaster at release, but there were a lot of positives, some only some negatives, which were easily fixable. And of course, uh, No Man's Sky finally fumbled an update, and we talked about how they messed that up for longtime fans, even though they have the best of intentions with it. Uh, at the back end of the show, I, uh, I've been basically talked about playing Fallout 4 a lot, unmodded, but not without some you know key commands and some console commands. But I asked the question of, of, is it really still worth your time? Because again, this is a, a, <clears throat> a game that is far and away, uh, like when this happened, certain things didn't exist in the world. Like certain things hadn't been, been invented yet when this game came out. And yet seven years later, still going strong. And so, you know, and as I just said, I'm, I've been playing it now. I'm falling in love with the world all over again. Uh, this week's show, uh, we have more Overwatch news um, because huh, there's probably or overwatch 2 news i mean there's been nothing that's been crazier for complaints going on right now than than this game and there's been a, a fever pitch even with call of duty releasing overwatch 2 is still going strong on twitch um as well as uh basically concurrent player counts and as more and more players uh basically are refusing to play support there have been a basically increase in matchmaking time so we're going to talk about that um and as an Overwatch 2 player myself, I've uh, I've noticed something that's also been talked about heavily on Reddit and other places, and that Zarya is out of nowhere the lead tank choice because uh, for whatever reason her perks and her her abilities with this new game have have kind of fit into the meta very quickly with the the high pace high pace and high damage outputs, and so her powers are have been crucial. And then of course uh, the most shocking thing. Uh, to come out has been the cry for outcry for loot boxes. So believe it or not, fans are calling for the thing that they hated the most about the previous game, and they're calling for it in droves. Finally, in the news, uh, Warhammer 3 got its most massive update for uh, to date, and fans of the series can finally say they were heard as settlement battles at minor locations may be gone for good. Um, finally, in the second segment of the show, I wanted to kind of talk about the high cost of upgrading computers um, or even just buying pre-built machines that will make it longer than one year before they become severely obsolete. And, you know, that's saying something in the world. And, and I kind of was shocked at that this massive cost and seeing as how I'm the one paying for it all the time now. Um, it, it kind of caught me off guard, especially as, as money has gotten tighter and tighter with everything getting more and more expensive. So I thought that was uh, something that I, I could talk about as, as someone that is experiencing it firsthand and you know is in desperate need of an upgrade, but also has a brother that is in need of an upgrade more than even I am. So that's today's show, and after the break, we'll get to it. All right, I want to apologize right now for my voice. I know it's probably not the cleanest it's ever been, but I've managed to catch a flu that seems to be going around our school. Not COVID, an actual regular old flu has decided to descend upon our school because we don't have enough stress going on. 
But with that, I will truck through it as we enter the news. So, of course, because it's the hottest thing to talk about outside of Call of Duty, and like I said, I don't care about Call of Duty. Um, Overwatch, Overwatch, and more Overwatch. So first and foremost, the most shocking thing to come out of the uh, Overwatch 2 news this week has been players begging for the return of something they literally begged would die off with Overwatch, and that is loot boxes. Everybody hates microtransactions. And the grind necessary to get items combined with, again, the uh, unusually high cost of these microtransactions in the store have led players to actively petition online on Reddit for the return of that which they once hated. Uh, Lord Nubface, the wonderful Reddit name there, suggested uh, in the forums that uh, the actually not controversial opinion, which is saying something on the internet and especially on Reddit, that there wasn't everyone telling him he's the dumbest dum-dum in the history of dum-dums, uh, but that loot boxes should come back through events, but not be able to be purchased. So others on the thread, believe it or not, completely supported the idea, and they actually thought about maybe there could be rewards for completing challenges, or the dailies or even weeklies, and you know you get some loot boxes and you get some stuff, because as it cu is currently constructed, there is an, a massive grind to get... you got to remember, this is... Um, when you really think about it, it's all incredibly funny, but as a player myself, the grind is unbearable. And while I hated the box system from before, I would rather do that than the microtransactions. I don't want to pay more money. Um, I barely have any money as it is to survive daily life. I don't want to do it to spend on what are essentially cosmetics. Um, you know, I don't want to also grind for 20 hours to get a new skin. Because at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is just cosmetics. There's nothing to it. It's It's... All the players are the same. Nobody gets any bonuses for having certain skins. And so if all of this stuff is simply just to look cool, it's not worth the amount of work we're having to put in or the cost of money. I'm not going to pay for any of this stuff or any anything that's there in the store. So um, I don't want to have to grind my life away just to make sure that my Zarya or my Reinhardt looks pretty. Um, moving on to uh, top competitive players. Um, they, you know, they're basically starting to find the metas that exist within this new rule book and this new frame and the way that they play. And as a tank player myself, as someone that, that prefers tank, uh, my preference of play is, is tank support DPS. Uh, something I've noticed in-game and now have proof based on what I've been reading online uh, seems to be that Zarya is the most chosen tank in the North American servers. Uh, the Forest Fire on Reddit uh, has the figure at over 80% with huge time play counts being allotted to Zarya. Even if you account for esports players who kind of, you know, skew the numbers a bit, if you take them out, she's still the top dog. Uh, her skill set, when mixed with the more aggressive and fast-paced gameplay, uh, means she can buff, protect, and eventually out-DPS even some of the top DPS characters. Um, with the bubble that absorbs damage and then by extension increases uh, her damage and protects other players um, because of the smaller roster size. Believe it or not, that one fewer player on each team um, has made for uh, you know playing aggressive to be a benefit uh, more than ever. And because of her power set, she can immediately support, protect the high damage dealers while then when they eventually do get kicked, uh, knocked out or killed, and during the push, her DPS shoots up so much, she can stall and delay any defense or pushback. And so great players, players that are very strategically well done and, and have great teamwork on their teams and with their professional game, uh, 
professional Overwatch teams have found out is that if we use her and we use her well, we will not lose. Uh, you combine that with her ult, um, and uh, and she's pretty much been unstoppable. The her ult that basically pulls everyone in gravity beam, and and you because of the smaller rosters, it's easier to get teams uh, team wiped or partial team wipes, which completely and totally shifts the balance of of every battle. So so basically to the point where there's a huge rebalance coming, right? So Zarya and and other characters like Genji have been so unstoppable that a massive rebalance is coming in the next patch, according to devs. But until then, until that massive patch shows up, Zarya is the queen of all tanks. Long live the queen. And finally, um, those of you that have been playing, has it felt like it's taken forever for you to get into the game? Um, have the queues been driving you nuts? Well, you're not the only one, and it turns out even people wanting to play tank can't find games because nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to actually play support. And as someone who who would who would pick tank intentionally in Overwatch because it could get me it got me quick uh, into games right um, now no one wants to play support everyone wants to be a tank or a DPS and so you end up waiting and waiting and waiting because it's trying to find the seven people that play support in the world to jump into your game um, support play is in such short supply. They've incentivized, I mean significantly incentivized, more experience. Okay, There's free in-game currency that comes for people, bonus, if you just play support. And other giveaways, simply to get more players playing support. As of right now, you can get an extra 100 XP in Battle Pass XP just for joining in flex or support queues. And when you pick flex, meaning you'll play whatever that is needed, they're just going to stick in support. So every single time, you can play, back out, continuously get all this extra XP just for choosing to be support. The main reason for this should be obvious. As support, uh, as a support secondary player myself and tank main, online play is toxic as hell, which is regardless of the game, which is why uh, I play on mute unless I'm playing with friends. Deaths are inevitable especially as, as supports get targeted early strategically for good reason, especially with this smaller roster size, and inevitably come the complaints and toxic behavior from other players. Why doesn't anybody want to sign up, or why would anyone ever want to sign up for that kind of abuse? Support does need help from the devs. The The characters need some some redos, some rebuilds. There need to be some overhauls. They need to be. There needs to be a stronger incentive to want to be a support player beyond I like healing others and protecting others. Right? There need to be massive experience updates and experience increases for choosing to play support. I should be able to rank up faster as a support main than anyone who gets to play DPS or tank. That should be one of the main incentives. But um, you know, there's no reason to want to sign up for something when you get blamed for all the losses, even if the rest of your team is incredibly reckless. Um, you know, support is, is, you know, people in this community, you know, they, they think that support is easy to play as every DPS will complain about online, you know, but if that's the case, then why don't they let us take the hard job of running point and point and shoot and they handle all the healing that apparently seems to be so easy. We would win if we just had good support, well, then why don't you try being a good support player? You know, that way they can worry about the healing, the dodging, the buffing, the support work, and they'll leave the the, the incredibly difficult thing of point gun, shoot gun, 
to uh, those of us that apparently aren't very good. So we should probably have the easier job if we're uh, thinking about it that way, right? So um, that's what's going on in the Overwatch world right now. Probably isn't going to change anytime soon. But uh, last up on the news, uh, Total War Warhammer 3 has a major update. This one is significant. Um, it's a massive overhaul uh, for the base game and for Immortal Empires with uh, the latest patch. The first is that there are new regiments of renown, and uh, with them came new endgame options. So uh, specifically a Vermintide ending for the main game. Uh, a Skaven-specific endgame scenario with a massive Vermintide horde fully loaded to the gills, nukes, the whole nine, all the bombs and, and guns and, and stuff possible, is here to add more variety for solo players in the main game mode. Uh, but for those of us that have been playing Immortal Empires, the biggest part of their patch that they didn't um, publish as much and, and, and uh, market as heavily is here now. Settlement garrison buildings are gone, essentially. In order to minimize the settlement battles in Immortal Empires, the devs have patched out the garrison buildings, which uh, added walls and, lar and a large number of troops to the defenses of minor and mid-tier settlements. I can't say all settlements, because any of the major 8-10 to 10 box settlements already have walls and simply add massive amounts of troops as you upgrade that building, uh, but essentially any minor building doesn't have the garrison walls anymore. Now, in order to have any kind of quality garrison at your minor settlement, you will need to make sure those main buildings get leveled up quickly because the main buildings will still be the main source of a defending garrison. Um, and there might be other buildings as well that provide, you know, very specific special tier buildings that uh, provide also some, some troops there to help uh, defend that specific minor settlement. Now this may not seem like a big deal, but if you're struggling like I have been and or other players have been with snowballing your economy and you combine that with the huge cost of main settlement buildings, you can see how this doesn't solve their problem of lack of travel speed and economy buildings, right? Um, I understand, you know, why the top players in the community were complaining and those with the loudest voices were complaining. I get it. The settlement overly having to do settlement battles, especially when you play on very hard to legendary difficulty where you're not going to get the auto resolve benefit you're going to get an auto resolve that favors the ai and the defending settlement almost all the time so you've constantly got to do these settlement fights on every single minor settlement i get their complaint but these minor settlement fights were just an annoyance they weren't an actual problem there wasn't anything wrong with the game they were just annoying um to me because of the lack of ease of travel as I've talked about before, where it takes so damn long to cross anywhere on this map. And as you move to expand, you have to keep an army now in the general vicinity of the area you just left, just in case uh, maybe um, a, an enemy troop or an enemy group that you didn't see before, or maybe an ally that has decided to betray you, or maybe even just an AI-generated army, random army has shown up and will now start terrorizing your minor settlements that can't defend themselves. Because again, you don't have the economy to build up all these buildings so fast. You're trying to focus on the buildings, your main buildings, and do all these things. And now I've got to take my eight armies and leave one or two behind to defend what I've already conquered so that no one comes and takes it. Now my eight armies have become six. Now I go to this new area and I now have to conquer more land. And guess what? Now that I've conquered it, I now have enemies maybe to my east or to my north, but I need to go west. And so I've got to leave an army back behind. My six armies is now five. 
and it gets harder and harder and harder to, to conquer stuff and you know know that i can defend my settlements and not have to leave armies there to protect everything um losing these garrisons I understand, again, I understand why the settlement battles were annoying. So top players are complaining and don't want to do it anymore. But if you're going to do that, you have to make it easier to move and defend your settlements. So if I'm going to go leave on this conquering binge, I should be able to then also, oh no, someone's coming to take stuff. I can sprint back and go get it. Or um, I need to have more troops in a main settlement building. So whatever that main settlement uh, tier is one, two, or three. Well, they've got to get an increase in, in standard troops. There has to be some kind of trade off here where I don't get this garrison, but I've got a tier three minor city, um, minor settlement city, and I should be getting at least an 18 stack to defend my army and a quality 18 stack, 18 units with maybe a, um, a minor lord or a minor general, or, or if not that, then uh, 18 tier two units or maybe seven tier three with 11 tier two units um something that that makes it defendable you know and that's kind of the main issue with this right now is that because it's so hard to snowball the economy for certain groups and certain races if you especially if you start in certain areas it's hard to really push expansion and the whole point of this game is expansion you're trying to literally conquer stuff and it gets gotten harder now because you cannot leave things um undefended anymore at all because there are no buildings to help defend anymore and that's a problem and so i see both sides of this i'm on the other side of things though uh i completely i think this is a, a major mistake and other things should have been prioritized maybe you get rid of this later but you got to fix the other things first like traversing the world and making this large map travelable and and actually conquerable uh, you can't give a map that's twice the size of Total War, Three Kingdoms, China, or the previous uh, Warhammer 2 Mortal Empires. You can't give that map and still make it impossible to get across. So that's the news. After this short musical break, we'll come back and we'll basically be talking about a topic that has been on my mind as I try to get my brother's computer upgraded. Uh, the huge cost to getting computer upgrades and and just a computer in general um, but to a point where you're not immediately having to upgrade it when within 12 months has gotten to a price range that I don't know if it's feasible anymore um, to even upgrade or buy brand new. It's it's gotten pretty crazy recently, and so that since that's fresh on my mind and that's something I'm experiencing, maybe that's something you're experiencing as well. I kind of wanted to talk about my experiences so far. Okay, so <clears throat> this topic came up to me uh, or came to my mind over the weekend when I was remembering how much I, I really want to get my brother a brand new computer because the thing he's been using is is pretty pretty old, right? So, um, you know, uh, this, this started from even before that with, I know I need to upgrade my video card. Uh, my GPU needs to get upgraded. And as my PC stands, uh, I really don't need much more than that uh, unless i wanted to upgrade the processor or my uh get uh, you know two terabytes or three terabytes of ssd um but where my system is really lagging is is with the gpu as i still have a 20 series uh which again gets the job done for almost everything but if i want to increase my frame rates and to match the rest of the hardware i have um 
you know, and on anything that's been released as a game within the last two or three years, I need to seriously lower my graphic settings to both achieve it and maintain it. So of course, I'm going all over the world to find a good deal on a on a 3090 Ti and and I found a few in that 850 to 1000 range as of now and hopefully by the holidays that price will continue to drop a few extra hundred as more of the 40 series get sent out to stores and get released uh, and then I realized I probably need to upgrade the processor to go with that which means going from a 37 series Ryzen to maybe a 5000 series uh, which would be probably another you know however much it is and then before I knew it, uh, but, you know, gonna need a new power block. Gonna need this. Gonna need that. Uh, new cooling system with all the add-ons I was I was looking at. It was suddenly magically a two thousand dollar upgrade to my machine when I thought all I needed was a uh, GPU. You know, and then got that got me thinking about my brother who desperately needs a new machine more than me. You know, he's rocking something. He's been piecing together like Frankenstein's monster since after college. Uh, but where my, my computer is maybe one to two generations behind. You know, the, the current most recent best level tech, uh, his is an easy three to five, depending on what we're going to measure, what we're looking at. And so I was looking for ways to get him a new machine before I got mine. So I started shopping and realized why so many people are basically console players and not PC players, because it's genuinely not feasible um, financially for some people to get even a comparable quality PC. So, you know, first I started off with just the, the basics of a of a pre-built gaming specific PC. Okay. And I went to a few websites. Um, I buy power. Um, I went to uh, the Omen stuff that com that comes through HP. And I even went to Dell for Alienware. And I, the reason I did this was I went to I buy power because it's a very common, um, you know, computer builder in terms of, of getting you pre-built gaming PCs. It's it's one of the more generic places to go. You can go to a more niche market or a niche store or company, but in terms of something that everybody would be familiar with, I buy power is a pretty uh, safe way to go. And then I went with the you know two major companies with Omen and Alienware. Yeah, they're tied to Dell or HP, but again, those are very well-known names in the industry. And so I just went with something that, that the average person would know, hey, that means that 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 brand means quality. You know, I didn't want to go into more specific detailed builders where they create you an amazing machine, but you'll get it in a month. I wanted people who basically mass produce this stuff because the average person is looking to get their computer pretty quick, right? They want to, you know, you know, they want to know that if I bought it, let's say today, I'd get it by November first, kind of thing, where we're turning it around in a week. Uh, so, you know, when you go to I buy power. You can get some pretty decent stuff. Um, uh, something that I, I'm looking at right now as I'm going through stuff. It's granted this one's sold out, but for at the time they were uh, they have it on sale and they even got a payment plan with it that for about seventeen hundred dollars you could get an i7 uh, Intel Windows 11 gaming PC with um, roughly uh, sixteen gigabytes of DDR4. Uh, RAM and a, an RTX 3070 at eight gigs with about a terabyte of, of SSD. That's a pretty good machine in terms like that's actually that's a significant upgrade over my machine. Um, and and that's for $1,600, right? But it's sold out, obviously, because anybody that's anybody knows, hey, that's a pretty good deal. Worst case scenario, I can at least, um, you know, strip it for parts and put it into something new, right? Um, so then I started thinking like, okay, well, what's next? What's the next tier, right? And 
um, with I Buy Power, I went straight into, well, what are the best sellers? What are the things that everybody's getting and are causing people to uh, essentially spend money at this website? And pretty quickly, the prices start jumping with the quality of, of stuff, right? As, as they should. And so what's better than, you know, a 3070? And so how do I get to that next tier? And then immediately, you know, you get to a 3070 Ti, right? And I'm looking at, you know, the next step up is a $2,000 machine that you can get in a couple of weeks. That is a basically an AMD specific gaming PC. All right. It's, we've got a Ryzen 758X processor with 16 gigabytes of DDR4 with an RTX 3070 Ti. And of course, a, a terabyte of SSD with another terabyte or two of HDD for hard drive space. And where does it start getting on the high end? Well, once you start moving up into the into the middle tiers, you're like, well, this is $2,400. And from what I'm looking at, it's not any better. Um, there's, there's, this seems to be this, 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 if you don't know what you're looking for, there's this massive jump in price and it doesn't seem that much better. The, the, the only thing I saw with, well, how do I get some of the best stuff out there? Well, if you get a AMD Ryzen 9 5950X processor with 32 gigabytes of DDR4, uh, an RTX 3090, not a TI, but a 3090 nonetheless, something that I'm trying to find, a 24 gig model of the 3090 with a terabyte SSD and two terabyte HDD through these people, um, what's called the creator version, it's four grand, right? We immediately jump up $2,000 and all we did was get a 3090 into the machine and doubled the RAM. That's all that happened. Yes, the there's a, a jump in the processor, but the difference, and I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, the difference between a Ryzen 7 5800 and a Ryzen 9 5950 ain't much. And we've suddenly gone up two grand. Um, <clears throat> even the Intel series where you're uh, dealing with an i9 or an i7 and you've got your you know same numbers of RAM and 3080 or 3090Ti's, we're getting into that $3,000, $4,000 range. And I went, man, this is crazy. But at the same time, I when you're doing these upgrades, I don't want to have to do another upgrade in a year. I want to try and get ahead of this sort of stuff. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, what about the omens? Well, I built out an omen that was decent, that was, you know, a high-end omen. So we're looking at a Ryzen 9 5900X, right? With about a 4.8 gigahertz processor. We're looking at 32 gigabytes of RAM, the two, uh, two terabyte SSD, um, with a one terabyte standard hard drive, a 3080 Ti, you know, pretty much all the bells and whistles we heard before through the Omen group, uh, Omen, uh, Omen computers on an HP, and it was $3,500. They were kind enough to save me $100 on a, a holiday rebate. Uh, same thing for Alienware. You know, I found an, an, an Alienware uh, Aurora Ryzen. It's the more popular of their gaming PCs. Uh, you get the Ryzen 9 5900, uh, 4, 7 gigahertz with an RTX 3080 Ti, 12 gigabyte, um, 32 gigs of, S of, of RAM uh, with a 512 gig SSD. So you don't even get the good one terabyte SSD. You get the 512. And uh, for a 512, you're getting... $2,500 is Alienware. And, and, you know, I was like, well, maybe you're just paying for the convenience of, well, they built it for you, right? You, you're paying for that part. You're paying for both the brand name and the convenience of it. And I thought, okay, well, let's go look at it piece by piece and just try to build it out. And to get a 3090, you know, a 24 gig 3090, not even a 3090 TI, because you're not going to find a TI for a while. They're going to be out of stock for a little bit. 
but just a standard 3090 from like Zotac Gaming um, for an RTX 3090 amp extreme hollow. It's a thousand dollars. So right there, we got a thousand dollars just in the GPU upgrade. Um, and I'm using the 3090 as, as the benchmark because at this point you shouldn't be buying a 10 series or a 20 series, regardless of how inexpensive they are, unless it's for the secondary monitor, uh, a secondary machine. If you are going to do this, you might as well just, if you're not going to get a 40 series, you might as well spend the money on the 3090 and find either a 3090 or 3090 TI. Um, so that's a thousand bucks. And then I realized, well, if I'm going to have that, I'm going to have to at least get, you know, uh, a 5,000 or maybe even a 7,000 series, um, Ryzen or the Intel i9 equivalent and, uh, a Ryzen seven, if you're lucky and you can find this 7,700 X eight core, you know, you're looking at $400. Um, but what if you're like me? And you have, uh, I have a tough gaming 59 or 5,000 or 500 series motherboard. That's not as compatible with the 7,000 series or the 9,000 or a series of the Ryzen. And it might not be compatible with the i9s. And so you end up needing this new processor as well. And so I've got to get a motherboard that can support it. And so my gaming mother, you add the motherboard into that same, you know, nice, you could get a quality processor for 400 bucks. Well, now I need the motherboard and it's 800 um, on Amazon, by the way. And that's with the deals, with the discounts they're providing. That same process to get the uh, Ryzen 9 7950 16 core, the processor itself is $700. If you get it with the motherboard, it's now 1340 so you spent $2,400 on a uh, GPU and the motherboard and processor. You haven't put anything else into this machine. You've gotten just the brain uh, and the, the the eyes. That's it. Okay. Um, uh, an Intel, an i9. The uh, Getting an i9 uh, 13th Gen Raptor 24 core, $700. No motherboard, just the processor. Uh, and I, a, a, an Intel core I five, um, four, four gigahertz. You can get this at, uh, roughly $200, which is a decent price for this, but you'd still be, uh, it's a, that's a 12th generation machine. Um, and you are looking at, uh, you're essentially one generation behind, uh, the current gen 13 gen stuff. And not only are you one generation behind, uh, you are also two levels below. So you got the i5, i7, i9. An i7, 13 generation, is going to cost you about 450 And that's just the processor. That's not the... Um, so even if you go Intel instead of to avoid to avoid AMD, it's still going to cost you an arm and a leg, right? You get SSD. I mean, SSD is at least inexpensive in that about a terabyte is about 50 bucks. Any name brand SSD like a Samsung is going to be about $100 per terabyte. So two terabytes worth of SSD is going to run you about $200, $250. And so before you knew it, just getting the parts before the labor of putting it together. And even if I was going to put the put it together myself, right, um, you, I'm already paying the $2,500. So why wouldn't I just pay for the convenience of someone doing it for me? And it, it just got me to thinking about how expensive this hobby is and how expensive maintaining this hobby is. Because, I mean, 
as new and new games keep going and you you know as more and more stuff if you don't have the expendable income to constantly update you will eventually get stuck not being able to enjoy new things like there will be you'll get stuck playing old games which can still be great look as someone that is constantly playing older games because they were fun then and they're fun now um you might want to play those new things and instead of of being able to enjoy them maybe you need to go get a console just to enjoy red dead redemption 3 gta 6 you know things like that and that's a brutal way for someone to find that out, right? This is, again, like I said, some of these computers are a leap ahead of mine. Not just a step, but a leap ahead. And yet, um, it is, you know, $3,000. And you could instead, like, this is the best part, right? Is that, well, we can do a payment plan at roughly uh, what they say is $164 a month, okay? So if I've got to pay... 164 a month you know uh 3549 divided by 164 equals 21.6 so almost two years to pay off that one pc and in two years a 3080 ti with an i9 uh 1290kf uh which is again a decent uh 13th generation it's not top tier i9 but it's still a pretty damn good one um, with 32 gigs of byte of RAM, like right now I have 64 gigs of RAM, which is way more RAM than anybody really needs. Um, and what I need are just some updates to my processor and my port. Well, that's going to cost me two grand. I might as well just get a new computer. You got to get, you, you know, you hear what I'm saying? Like it's, it's that the parts and the PCs themselves have gotten to where you might as well just have someone build this for you. And, also, if when you want to upgrade it, you, I'm, I mean, I'd have to sell my machine for parts to afford to pay for the new PC that I then couldn't buy online because I sold my PC for parts. It's this brutal circle and it, it's a tough thing to, to really come to grips with as I sit here, you know, paying all my bills and, and living that life to the the best of my ability that of being an adult and that I don't have the expendable income to continue this hobby much sooner if if uh unless I I find a way to to lose some expenses and I don't right now my expenses are all necessary and I feel bad for my brother because my brother is is three or four if if I got him even the, the these computers that I was talking about that are you know at, at I buy power that are $1,500, you know, with a 3060 Ti 8 gig, it would be a massive upgrade to his current system. I mean, significant upgrade to what he's rocking with. And the, the thing is, you know, even if I went with the two grand model uh, that had a 12, 12 gig 3060 Ti, it would be a massive upgrade in Boone. And in a year, year and a half, his computer would be obsolete already. And we would immediately be having to try to figure out what's the next step. Because in a couple of years, y'all, with the way tech works, there's going to be a 50 series uh, GPU. And they're going to be, uh, because of the constant need to optimize for the newest and best. I mean, that's the problem I'm running into, right? New optimizations have made it hard for the 20 series to keep up with the drivers and the G4 stuff that is, that's going out there. And, you know, it sucks to buy someone something new that you're trying to, uh, get 
So like in my brother's case, like getting him the a two thousand dollar, um, a two thousand dollar computer, even if we put it on a payment plan and we're paying one hundred and fifty a month, you know that's going to be twenty months before he pays it off, fifteen months before he pays it, a year and a half. By the time we've paid it off, it's time to get a new one. Um, and you know that's kind of the thing is I've always wanted to try and upgrade my computers, even with someone like my brother. I want to upgrade this computer to better than um what's out there or as good as anything that's out there so i don't have to upgrade it for a while and i can't we i can't keep up with the tech upgrades anymore before you could it would be years before you you know it was it was magic when everything went from 1.5 gigahertz to 2.8 to 3 well now we've gone from 3 to 5 and it's skyrocketing we we've gotten to the 40 series faster then we got from the 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 six and sevens to you know the the twenty like it's taken it's gotten we've gotten there faster than ever before and that's how tech works you make these advancements and everything works faster and stronger and better so the advancements don't take steps they take leaps and I can't financially keep up with them um, and that's I'm laughing at this because I'm staring at some of these these machines with thirty sixty Ti's and the prices that they have and um, you know, uh, I, I I don't I think about paying the three or four grand or paying off doing a pre-built PC. And I'm looking at this Ryzen 9 5950 computer that I said was four grand and just being like, yeah, I think I could pay that off. I think I could do a payment plan here. Uh, I think I could do some of this other stuff because the, that's the beauty of some of these companies is they will just do a payment plan for you. Um, and I've, I'm staring at this going, is it worth paying $200 a month for a $4,000 computer that will take 20 months or two years to pay off. And that's kind of where I am now. And that's brutal. Like I financially just can't, a teacher does not make enough money to keep up with the advancements in tech. And that's brutal. And for someone like my brother, who's got a job that pays even less than mine, um, it, that's even worse. Right. And I'm the one who's broke trying to figure out how to get him something new and it's kind of defeating and it's brutal and uh, I I get it it's tech it's a luxury item you don't have to have it uh, but it is it does still suck nonetheless so not to end today's show on too much of a sad note but that is uh, the struggle right now for the PC gaming hobbyist and the person who loves to upgrade and, and have a personal built computer and it's getting harder and harder to have it because the cost of keeping up with the Joneses is only skyrocketing. So uh, that brings the show to a close. And I want to thank you all for listening. And I hope you continue to join me every week. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever it is that you find us. Or don't. I'm not your parents. I'm just a dad and his PC. 